Hey everyone, welcome to a very retro episode of Nintendo Video Chat. See what I did there? We're playing uh, Metroid Prime this week, which was released in the U.S. 10 years ago on November 17th, 2002. This is a game near and dear to the IGN staff, and some people in this very room covered it at the time, including Per Schneider. Hey. Prime's original reviewer, Fran Mirabella. Hey, guys. And uh, we're also joined by Nintendo fans and editors Richard George. Hello. Audrey Drake. Hey, everyone. And our honorary silent video chatter, Brendan, who's going to be playing Metroid Prime today on the trilogy version, so you'll notice there's widescreen, some extra features. We'll talk about that later. And uh, I'm your host, Sam Claiborne, and uh, this is my favorite game of all time. Wow. Even more, you like it better than Super Metroid? I yeah, I don't like Super Metroid. I mean, I like Super Metroid, but I don't it, I don't feel like it was the remarkable like change everything game that uh, that other people feel like it was. Got it. This is about Metroid Prime. So yeah. Say. Yeah. Even if you're wrong, we respect you. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, this game was it was amazing. Like, look at it. Um, it being still is. Ten years old. Uh, it just looks great, and, and an all-star team put this together. You know, I know if we're planning on talking about that at some point. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do a whole little history section on this and talk about the team, and it was a good combination of Japanese development and uh, North American development, which was totally unique at the time, by the way. I mean, Nintendo yeah. did not have North American developers uh, for first-party games ever. Um, but yeah, this game, every time I see it, I, I, I have the pages of the Nintendo, the November uh, 2002 uh, Nintendo Power here, and we were looking through it earlier, and just like every image you see of this game still looks fantastic. It still looks contemporary. It's just low res. And like, man, I want to see this one up resed and uh, have some treatments made to it. Although, as, as we already mentioned, it's been re released a couple times, and it looks great in the trilogy. It really yeah. does. Yeah, just, good love, luck finding it. I just love all the things they do, even at the beginning, right? It's been all these years, we haven't seen Samus. And so, what do they do? They show us the ship landing, they show, show us this beauty shot of Samus jumping out. The camera goes around, and then it establishes the fact that you're in her visor, right? Like in the helmet. It's just so well done. Yeah, like, I mean, Doom, yeah, Doom had been out for a long time. People have been playing first person shooters, but uh, they hadn't been playing them on consoles very much, and definitely, I mean, well, there's GoldenEye, but, and then, you know, a Nintendo first-party game uh, to be a first-person shooter, like, they wanted to explain it a little wow. bit by yeah. showing, like, this is you inside the helmet. And so I think a lot of the little features of the helmet are, like, mm -hmm. there to, to show you that, too, like, instead of just having a screen with a HUD. Well, I think the really important part is it's, it's very, first of all, thoughtful right off the bat, which Nintendo always thinks about, like, how can we lead you into this experience without overwhelming you so everybody can play? Um, and also, I would say it's not a shooter. It's all about exploring. Um, you oh. shoot, but and the, are we going to have that there, argument? That first to, person. Yeah. 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 But what's really interesting right away, they have you looking for things, you know, and I think that yeah. really shows you what this it's, game is about. I'd say it's one of the best intros that Nintendo's ever done. Maybe second only to like Link to the Past, perhaps. Um, I just really like how this is paced. Yeah, this it one has just, a lot to explain, but it doesn't feel like you're being yeah. slowed down or it, having yeah. your hand it doesn't held the whole like, time. Hand, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't you're certainly not. Natural. Your hand is not being held. I mean, like when I first played this, I was like. I have no idea where to go, you know? Yeah. And, but now I see it, I'm like, oh, I know the path through this innately because I've yeah. played it. Yeah. And I love so the many little times. touches. Look at this. This is a map of the space station right there on the wall, is a hologram. Frost and you can see, yeah, you can look around, you can scan, you can go on certain things and, and find out what's going on in the space station. But, like, one thing we should mention is, of course, the big difference. When we first played this game, you could not free look, right? The. The original version of Metro Prime did not have the Wii motion. Yeah. The so Wii what you're referring to is that you had to hold the left trigger and stop, and then kind of pivot your 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 gun around. And uh, like that that was a big yeah. Well, in, yeah. But the thing is, is that PC shooters at the time um, looked as good as this. I mean, look, we're talking about a time in which a console looked as good as PC, 
and wow. that was the one difference. So the people were people were angry about that, but yeah. I, never, I never really thought about it. Look at this high quality, but artistically, yeah. this game was just look how cool so this amazing. is. Like repressurizing the room, all the items fall down. You can actually see that now being done in games like Halo Four, right? Like, which it's well, no coincidence. The coincidence. Yeah, there's, there's yeah, no coincidence. Yeah. There's a there's a crossover on uh, so, several team members from Metroid Prime yeah, that, that are working on Halo Four the now. Atmosphere is incredible. You know, yeah, yeah definitely. Art, you know, it's it yeah, still holds up steam to this on day. your visor. There's yeah. a beautiful HUD. There's creatures running underneath. There's sparks flying. Like it's, it's really and, and you'll notice right away. Like this is funny that I didn't even realize this at the time, but like obviously there's no there's no loading scenes. There's no loading time at all yeah. because a little bit, the doors. Right? Well, the that's door. the thing yeah. is that they, they mask it, it by putting a door there that sometimes you just sit in front of you're like, why isn't this working? You shoot it, shoot yeah. it, shoot yeah. it, and it kind of jams when it opens, yeah, and it's really like, clever. oh, I had to wait for it because the door wasn't functioning properly. But it's so much better than putting like a staircase like in red. Resident Evil, where everything goes black and it's like stair step, stair step, stairs. I'm like, ah! You know what's funny? Like revelations ah. where that door thing would just spin and spin forever. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, really that's I've seen that. I've yeah. seen, you know, my daughter played the game mm -hmm. and she uh, she shot at a door and it wouldn't open, so she turned around. And I'm like, no, 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 it's gonna open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Metroid Prime uh, Two, in Echoes, I remember there's rooms where you could, sh you know, your shots would bounce off the doors, like a certain gun shots would bounce yeah. off doors, yep. and you could get between two doors and shoot it, and it would bounce back like infinitely. Yeah. <laughs> Back and yeah, forth. It was awesome. really cool. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to go into some history in a little bit, but first I want to talk about our initial impressions of the game and uh, where we were in 2002 and what we were doing. And I want to start with you two guys, uh, Pear and Fran, who've actually been covering this game pretty extensively. I think yeah. this was an IGN like favorite. Oh, yeah. It was huge. And Almost we, from know, the start. Although the original, I think, impression was that it wasn't going to be good, right? Yeah, and we have, I mean, I, I can start, but like Which? one of the. One of one of the big things was we had heard, you know, every interview we asked Miyamoto and other developers whether they were going to make another game, right? And they would always have like this, ah, oh, if you really want it, maybe we'll make it someday. <laughs> answer, right? Like, and they did that for a couple of years, and you know, ticked us off. Of this course, this is a technique that readers might recognize from uh, the Kid Icarus of yeah. the the new millennium. Every time, until we got a new Kid Icarus, every interview. Uh, Matt would do Matt Casmussina back in the yeah. day, or any and Rich since him uh, would say, "Hey, where's Kid Icarus?" Yeah. Yep. And then it turned into Pikmin. There's always the like game, game of the yeah. moment yeah. where you're like, "Where's the now it's F zero. It's like, "Where's fair, For me, it's balloon fight. This one was this <laughs> one is I got it. This one was way more important. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At least to you know yeah. people in the U.S. and like the Japanese developers weren't that much behind it because the the Metro games didn't sell very well in Japan and the Japanese market was still very very big at the time and so in 2000 at uh, space, space World Space World yeah we saw which was 10 uh, seconds and, and August 2000. Yeah. Uh, to, to make Nintendo used to opt out of E3 and they'd have their own convention Not called E3, Space World uh, Tokyo Game Show. Oh, TGS, that's yeah. right, yeah, yeah, TGS. So it was at the end of the summer then, probably. Uh, it, um, Space World moved around a bit, but this was, they it varied, but it was their show, because, I mean, they were Nintendo, and mm -hmm. back then they could really do their own show. With yep. all, and so you guys, I don't, were you both at that? that yeah. Space yeah. So the GameCube was the hot topic, right? And then they, they actually was, showed... Uh, a, still Dolphin at mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. And they showed a little trailer of a kind of a squished-looking version of the game. Like, it, it was like 3D. Samus, it was in 3D. So this is the, everyone's going to remember, for starters, the famous Zelda uh, Ganon vs. Link rendering. So it was that right. type of thing. The wave race, the beautiful wave. Was that the same year? Yeah. yeah they showed all oh, these okay. in a row. So it was a mind-blowing, like, this next-generation yeah. gaming yeah. is coming, it was, and it was 3D renders. It was what, like, Luigi's Mansion, Wasn't the Ganon-Link fight, yeah. Metroid, and it, what, what was the shot of her just uh, in the ship? Or she getting runs out of the down ship a, a hallway and shoots oh, okay. the door. Yeah. Uh, it was very It was 10 seconds. Thing. It was very quick. It was yeah. a sizzle reel that they did with all these but things. But part of that sizzle reel also said a retro studios production. Uh, Nintendo of America. No, I just watched it this it did, morning. It, yeah, there, there was an intro to it. I and think they, that's a later version. That's oh, really? okay. We didn't know it was retro. Oh, or, 
Really? Yeah. They've been working at it since '99 at that point. From my recollection, yeah. the Space sure. World video was just very sizzle-esque. No, no developers involved. Yeah. No publisher. Like it real yeah, base actually... information. It was just like here's Samus and that's it. And they confirmed go. it uh, one Space World later in 2001. It said Retro Studios, but in 2000 it didn't. And until Retro Studios actually leaked the info that they were working on it. I mean, we we knew <coughs> they were working on it, but yeah, Nintendo never confirmed it. And so like in 2001. Um, I think they put up... Uh, they had a uh, playable version of it at E3 in 2001. So, yeah. No, right, oh, oh, in 2000, Retro posted a Jobs Wanted page that was all... Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So before we get there, though, the important part, right? They show this teaser, 3D, you know, finally, Metroid's coming into the 3D world, which fans have wanted forever. The backstory, by the way, was, right? Super Metroid happened, um, what, 94 or 5, and we wanted a new one, and Nintendo just... They refused to bring it to 3D. They were like, it's not that kind of game. And that's yeah. think, we got and you think about the, the technology gap between Super Metroid yeah. and Metroid Prime. It's huge. It's yeah. like it's like the the old type of game to the new type of game. It's huge. And that was really only like six years, though, totally. which is kind of funny to think but about. My, but my point is we see this, and we have no idea that it's um, diverting in any way from sort no. of what it would be. Yeah. Um, I just pulled up the old IGN article. Nice, where yeah, it, like, we have an old Retro Studios Actually, the funny thing find. is the way the article reads is just saying, like, Nintendo doesn't want you to know that Retro's working on Metroid, but Retro wants you to know that it's working on Metroid. There was, yeah. there was a lot of that going on. There right. was some, there was a lot of fighting between them. And I'll tell you, we, we have a lot of our old coverage, and if you go, if you're listening to this on YouTube especially, go to IGN, and uh, there's an article that accompanies this podcast, and I'll link off to all these old articles, yeah. and there's, there's some really cool ones. Yeah, but uh, point is, we had no idea it was in first person. That's the quick way to say it. And so we really didn't know. Um, Until then, 2001. Till IGN got an inside tip and uh, we found <laughs> really? out it was first person. It blew our minds for stars. We couldn't believe it. Uh, we didn't get to see it. So Pear uh, mocked up an art, um, a piece of art, which you can find. Uh, I don't know how you could search for it very easily. Search for Behind the Visor on yeah, Google, the visor. IGN, you'll find it. Is it is it a ball rolling and you just, no. see, you just see the scenery like just completely? Constantly well, rotating. There was a frame that he took, I think, from the teaser, yeah. and then he put a HUD over. He made his HUD up. Mm-hmm. We didn't it's know super it cheesy. I was, yeah. I Do you was, want me to read from the article where you guys hacking. revealed that it was first person? Well, I, I mean, I can summarize. Yeah. It was yeah, yeah, basically yeah. was saying the game is going to be in first person. Yeah. Um, we heard that it was good. Yeah. Right. I mean, we had we had gotten that information leaked to us from people who obviously worked on the game. Some were not with the company anymore, but kind of gave us the details. Um, and then I think that was the first time the term uh, first-person adventure appeared as well, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. It, it and Nintendo that, championed that term, by the way. Mm-hmm. Well, it says that Retro was working on a third-person action game starting, uh, starring a female lead, but mm-hmm. then so many of the Retro's designers were working with first-person shooters that they decided to switch it over. That's right. Yeah. And then Nintendo came in and, and said, well, why don't we make this Metroid and... Yeah, they, we never saw it. This game was in third person. They tested it. They mm-hmm. brought it to... I mean, that's what Nintendo wanted, actually. Mm-hmm. And they tested it. It just, like, platforming in 3D and in third person was super tough. And then <clears throat> they, they brought this into the mix. And from, yeah. from this article, it says even that... Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, who felt that third-person action titles could not be executed properly in 3D at the time, helped push to move things. Moving over them, he would just leave these like cryptic comments, like "bugs go," and then Mm -hmm. the scan visor (laughs) came out of that. Yeah, I have have a a bunch of quotes here too. Um, At the time, there was an interview that was that followed the release of the game, and it said, uh, "And uh, Retro Studios game director Mark Pacini said." uh, 
right around the time of signing the Metroid project, I know there was a lot of discussion in the studio at Nintendo if the title was going to be first person or third person. And right before that, we'd done some work with Rare on Jet Force Gemini. Yeah. And we had some real problems with the camera. It was a major discussion. Yep. And then he went on to talk about, he goes on to talk about how uh, he was very opposed to it being in third person. He wanted it to be in first person. And uh, Miyamoto at the time felt that shooting in third person was not very intuitive. Yeah, and, and what happened, of course, the moment we, we knew that if we put out an article saying it's a first-person game, people would freak. And, you know, you're not going to see yeah, a bunch of the old <laughs> message board <laughs> message board and comments threads are probably deleted or lost by now, but, man, people did lose, I was lose freaking it all out. the time. So yeah. he has an like, excuse the for their... He's going to destroy this franchise. Yeah. And, and he, then it was American developed, yeah. so... It, you the know, the reasoning has a lot to do with that name, the first-person adventure, uh, for why they settled on a first-person angle. And uh, Piscini continues, uh, he says... And uh, what's one of the main themes of Metroid? Exploration. The easiest way to observe your surroundings, even in a third-person game, is usually to switch to first-person and move the camera around. So that's like in Mario, when you'd stop and like yeah. look around and be like, how the heck do I solve Just this puzzle? That was that was the thinking at the time. Is like, well, let's not make people stop and do that. And it was really smart, because instead they made people stop and do the kind of uh, movement stuff that's harder to do in first-person by switching to the morph ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they did, I mean, they switch, did a really uh, nice job kind of like the ball, transition. Yeah. There we go. There you go. Right Love now it. we have all the abilities, of course, in typical Metroid fashion. You lose a whole bunch when you... Uh, yeah, you, you even have the grappling uh, grapple beam at the beginning of the yeah. Just give me a little tease. Yeah, I mean, so uh, are we going to talk about what makes uh, just Metroid in this game so great? Or, um, go just for, for it. Those who maybe hit, hit me. Played go, go, go. Or, I mean, look, in general, here's what I think makes Metroid so awesome. Because you find out she's a girl. Yeah, right. What? <laughs> spoil Spoilers. Um, I think you have to it's, charge or something in so, that. So first of all, that's why I'm adamant not to call first-person shooter. It's not about that. You don't. You're not about destroying enemies. That's the last thing. They reappear in the rooms, which first-person shooter fans would be like, "This is so stupid." And I'm like, "That's because it's not the point. You're not like fighting enemies. I mean, bosses, yes, yeah. but they're obstructions in the way of your exploration. And what makes these games so fun is that it's puzzle solving. And so you get to a room, you look around, you detect things." Uh, and you earn these power-ups, and that's always been the game. Like, you crash land, and all, mm -hmm. somehow all yeah. your powers go flying across the world. I like the, the, the layers of the exploration, because yeah. it's not just, like, go in this room, find a thing, and you never go back to that room. It's you you go into this room, but then you go find something else somewhere else, and you yeah. go back to that first it, room, and now there's something yes. else and in there. And it's so successful that. at creating this feeling of isolation, too, especially in the oh, first yeah. Prime, where you just, like, feel like you're dropped on this you're planet, so and you're just left alone to explore and mm -hmm. figure things out. Yeah, you were on your I own. just want to say exactly. the character model is so nice. Yeah, look how, nice like, look how respectful they are towards the older so games with awesome. the save uh, with the big know, shoulders yeah yeah, yeah, yeah just, just like just the character model their yeah. artists um, they had a team of like all-star artists and uh, they still <laughs> have some of those which games, is but... funny because all the reporting about Retro Studios was negative at the time because it was, was all layoffs the NFL game yeah. fell apart their Thunderella yeah, game yeah I actually have some cool and, stuff about that yeah. so, so they they Retro started in 1999, and uh, they they did not, you know, just sit, come to Nintendo and be like, we want to do Metro. That's not what they did. Mm -hmm. Though they did do that for Donkey Kong. Uh, in uh, So I have an old... Um, the first rumblings of, of, of Metroid were from Game Developers Conference, actually, mm -hmm. in 1999. IGN reported on it, and uh, Miyamoto just kind of, like, said something coyly, you know, about it. And at the time, people knew about Retro, too, and Retro was working on four GameCube games after their founding. And three were canceled, and one was called Ravenblade. Did yeah. you guys ever play that? RPG. Yeah. Not, didn't I have play the it, but, VCR yeah. tape in my drawer. Awesome. <laughs> we should, yeah, we got to bust that out. I, I'm really we'll curious about these other games that they're working on. Uh, but we'll put it up. And you said another one is an NFL game. Mm -hmm. And then I believe there's a driving Thunder game. Thunder Rally or something like that. Um, yeah. And then there's a first-person game. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shigeru Miyamoto actually himself came and uh, saw the FPS prototype and made the decision to give them Metroid. Yeah. 
So that's how that, I mean, that that's an interesting thing to have happen is that a Western team was working on all these games and eventually all of them got canceled. Mm-hmm. And Nintendo was like, why don't you guys just take Metroid? Like that's, they must've so had a pretty the, impressive GameCube thing running there. These are all GameCube games that too. That is fairly typical of Nintendo though, where they work on prototypes, they work on ideas, and then they they figure out what yeah. franchise goes on. So it, it's weird as hell to us to be like, oh, you're working on a shooter. Oh, and now it's Metroid. But that's actually kind of yeah, how they do it. Mario Sunshine exactly. was squirting yeah. water out of a water pack. They didn't know what it was going to be. Yeah, there's just well, it was, they, it was they just had a bunch thing. of guys in the group come yeah. up with all the different ideas, and Sunshine's what they went with. Yeah. So and, mm-hmm. they just go the by concept. Part of that story, though, that, you know, I don't know why it's on the reports, but they were working on a third-person game, and that's maybe that's yeah. We just talked. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know yeah. he's had a first-person game, and maybe they were. Well, I think it went both. it went third-person, first-person, right. Metroid. Yeah, yeah. But the, the point is, they had this third-person game, and were really excited uh, that- about that. That wasn't in the original game, by the way, that little achievement unlocked thing there. Yeah, so. those are the little medals they added uh, that were actually from Prime 3, so they, they retrofitted this game with that. Yeah. They actually See what have, I did there? Yeah. yeah. Retrofitted. Nice. Very nice. Um, that's going to happen a lot more. So I just wanted to go into a little bit of uh, the, the development of this game. Uh, we were already talking about it a lot, but... Um, Wait, real fast. Homage yeah. to, you know, the original Metroid. Yes. Running. The escape oh, yeah. sequence is at the yeah. beginning of the game. How great is that? I just out since you're all watching. Uh, yeah. This is such a fun part of Metroid, because yeah. you always know it's coming. And, and everybody knows, I mean, the ins- a lot of the inspirations for the Metroid games came from the, the movie Alien, of course, where you have this iconic, like, I was going through all these interviews, countdown. and they would never say that of word. Of course they wouldn't. But that's silly. Now that's people are just like, yeah, I, I love Lord of the Rings, so yeah. we made this game. Well, like, it, they it was a different that. time, and remember, there were, there were lawsuits around the Donkey Kong yeah. name. Well, with that the King was 20 Kong, years earlier. So, yeah. Ridley, um, Ridley. But they were yeah, careful. Yeah, I know, that's funny. That's and like that's the HR Giger thing for the for the uh, the actual Chozo mm-hmm. in Metro, the original Metroid is like looks exactly like an alien. Sure, which is yeah. like funny. Uh, anyway, so uh, Retro and uh, work with NCL, uh, the yeah. development team in uh, in Japan, and there was a couple leads that you guys will all know the names of because Rich has interviewed them, and uh, they've been on the site a lot since then. Uh, one is Shigeru Miyamoto, who's a producer, and he had so much involvement in this yeah. game. You don't think about him as a Metroid guy, but he did. Uh, Kensuke Tanabe, and he worked on DK Country most recently, and uh, he's he made sure. Super Mario Brothers too. By the way, Tana- he directed that Tanabe, game. Tanabe, the last uh, thing I ran with him was uh, oh. Paper Mario. Actually, mm-hmm. he, he oversees a lot of the outside external developers that work yeah. with Nintendo on projects. Yep, and then we got Kenji Miki, which I don't know as well, but he did Ice Climber, and he ended up working a lot on Melee, mm-hmm. Smash Brothers Melee, uh, which we saw a level of, actually, earlier. We, we passed by it, but that, where there's the uh, dead uh, parasite yeah. queen. Yeah. That's a level in Smash Brothers. Um, and then uh, Metroid uh, code creator Yoshio Sakamoto, who worked on Other M. Yeah. And uh, nin- with the Ninja Gaiden team, right? Yeah. Team Ninja. Uh, team Ninja. Um, but what's cool is that... Uh, Kensuke Tanabe, I have a quote from him that says, The only thing we handled completely on our end was the music, which was done by Research and Development Team 1, R&D 1, uh, and Kenji Yamamoto, who did the music for the original Metroid and all of the Metroid games, did this music, and which is my favorite score. I love it. And then it says, other than that, everything else is handled at RetroSend. So they were there to set deadlines, which I hear were really hard. Like, they're 80 to 100-hour weeks, and it was really tough. And then to uh, get people to, uh, you know, kind of, like, make a really good game, but but... Retro led this project. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. And and a lot of the, I mean, we we heard from Retro at the time. This thing gets me every time, by the way. Good job not yeah. getting that one. But uh, we heard at the time that you know there there was some <laughs> friction between the development teams, but that overall Nintendo was really impressed with stuff and really kind of made only small suggestions once this game was up and running in the first person shooter form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the uh, Retro Studios just had an all star team, so I don't know yeah. if this is the point to talk about that. But they brought in people from. Doom, Iguana, Wing Commander, uh, Turok. Turok, yeah. Um, 
Quake. This is and this is when they formed their studio. Like this is like their studio formation was kind of a little blip in the industry as well, right? Because it was like they're putting together this huge studio to make GameCube games. Yeah, I don't think you guys. There was no precedent for that, really, no, right? To yeah. kind of form a studio. Look at all this like, stuff that they example, all the pack into the beginning. You'll notice I here, mean, this was GameCube's big graphical advantage: is the particles. Oh, yeah. I remember like people like always saying, "Well, the GameCube can do particles," you know. <laughs> Back then, that was a huge deal. Yeah, it Lighting was. And particles. Um, and 60 frames per second, entire game. Yeah, yeah it was super good stuff. Um, I was gonna say, yeah, Zoid, who Pear mentioned, he look, look him up. Uh, he did gameplay mechanic programming for Capture the Flag. That was his claim mm -hmm. to fame. Um, and Kirsch. then moved on um, and did gameplay control programming, etc. for this. And, mm -hmm. You know, you don't think awesome. about those things, but people who are really good at that stuff, like, it goes a long way. It's all the subtlety of what makes it <coughs> feel so oh, good. Oh, no, she lost yeah. all her uh, shoulder pads gone. And <laughs> I, I've always not liked how Samus looked at this because it looks so different. I, but, I, they should have kept at least the shoulder you know pads. It makes you want to get the stuff. So yeah. That's it. Yeah. They, it bothers you, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm going to get well, all that stuff exposed. back. You just see. I thought that was cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah, look, I mean, this, this, even this beginning, this is what we saw at E3, and we sat in a dark room and we played it, and, and we finished playing and we said, okay, again. Now, did you guys get yeah. to see it ahead of like the press conference or anything like that, or was it just at the show itself? You just yeah. go into a closed room. We saw and, it in the morning, right? Like, we didn't see it before the conference. Because Nintendo's. Yeah. We were first in line after the conference. Nintendo's routine it's now cool. is like we see most everything ahead of the show, yeah. so I don't know yeah. if they, they, didn't they didn't do that, do back, that then. back then. No, we had to yeah. wait. And so you're saying that the whole intro was only to this point. So you didn't see landing on the planet at all. Uh, we'll put that back up. Actually, we'll have to, a lot of this stuff is on IGN Insider. No, no, I'm saying when you guys first saw the game, the demo was yeah, of the demo just was the, this. escaping the so space this station. We have the demo recorded entirely. Oh, you have so, it. Okay. And wow, did it that's stop great. About here, or? it was a truncated version of the escape. So you fought the the boss, right? Mm -hmm. And then you escaped. So it was a truncated version of that. And it yeah, showed because it's pretty long. But it showed you all the cool stuff with the repressurizing, the visor effects. All that was already. So here's Ridley. Yeah. yeah. What's funny Chasing though, it. or yeah, Meta Ridley. We were talking about sort of our first impressions. I went to this uh, to that E3, and I didn't play Metroid Prime because everything that IGN had written about it made me uninterested <laughs> what? in the game. Oh I wasn't. Gosh. Well, remember the early screenshots and everything that came out looked so bad. Yeah. And I just didn't want to. I, I wasn't at, uh, that interested in it until I think it was actually Fran's review when that showed up. I was like. Oh holy crap! Maybe yeah. I just totally everyone was confused about it at first. Didn't think the right thing about this game. The I actually stuff turned a lot of people off, and I, yeah. I just didn't yeah. get it. I was like, I don't understand why I'd want to play this. I remember watching it for a little bit, and I was like, Well, why aren't you shooting anything? And it well, was, I have this great. Weird. I, I have this like, quote I want to read because, like, we often get you know our users write in saying like, Hey, you guys said this game was going to be amazing, and then it turned out like it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and you know, we reiterate that when you see unreleased games, you have to sometimes give them the benefit of the doubt. Because when I saw Rayman 2, it looked like crap. It's, it's, Rayman it's, 2 was choppy. It didn't come together. It was buggy. Environment and then the game turned out too. amazing. And Metroid was a story where here, here's a, a eyewitness report from sources close to IGN back then. Um, they were, I think some of them were at Nintendo, but um, <laughs> they said, from what I saw, there was a lot of uninspired formulaic shooting through 3D hallways. What? There was barely anything to do. Uh, another informant said that the build shown sucked, right? Like that, that was that kind was of the like the stuff. spirit yeah, of the, the coverage thing. back then. But that's, yeah. and that's the thing. Is are you going like, to break really the sequence? Wait, guys, you can break sequence here. Mm -hmm. You're going to do it? What are we doing? No, you don't need to. Remember, you could jump off the edge of the ship. You can't do it in the trilogy. Mm -hmm. They fixed even the Euro versions, but you could jump off the edge of the ship and get the double jump. Oh, that's really? Funny. Yeah. Didn't uh. even know that. Um, but that was the interesting thing is if you think about it, especially for shooters back in the day, 
if you were to watch this for like five minutes, you'd be like, well, why am I not doing anything? Yeah. Why is there nothing to do? And I, especially if you don't really get Metroid even, or you this is your first Metroid, you'd be like, I don't understand. Why isn't this like Quake 2? Well, yeah, Remember the contemporary, exactly. but, but Half-Life was already a story then, right? And yeah. so I think people who understood Half-Life were interested, but then Die Hard PC players were, were turned off. We talked about this earlier that you didn't have free look. You know, they mm. started playing this game. People they're like trying. The they're trying to use the little yellow stick, the C stick, to yeah. move around the camera. And they're like, "What the hell is going on? Yeah, Why I mean, can't I look around?" That right? was my main point: is people like look at it. They expect this action shooter, like it's all about shooting, and it's not that at all. You know, this is really like a sci-fi Zelda in a lot of ways. And you were saying that's why they they included lock on, like that's a big deal too. Yeah. Like it's just well, like they had they had, they had to for the controls because on the control you couldn't really do good mm-hmm. first-person shooting anyway. You could do yeah. circle straight for. But laser, they wanted to do, accomplish yeah. a few things, which was getting you to look around and also um, jump platforming, which platforming in first-person shooting mouse and keyboard is not so easy. Yeah. I like how even on the ship. At the beginning, which should be no no lines in this game are straight. Like everything is just like really curvy and like is like cr- like kind of crumpled around you. That's always been like my impression of it. And um, you play so many games, especially from this era where it's like I'm walking through an office building, killing yeah. stuff behind right. blocks. Well, this, yeah. this world feels so alive because of that. It's just so alien and yet yep. so realistic at the same time. And there's height. So you're impressive. always jumping. You're always, and that's that was a big deal at the time too. Like first person jumping. I remember everybody yeah. like being like, no, that'll never work. Okay. And all Here, the creatures. It's hard. Jumping so flash cool did it. Here, here's something funny. <laughs> we're talking about PC games of the era and stuff like that. And I asked readers for their impressions on Twitter, and they they're sort of sending them in. I actually have uh, Kyle wrote a quick tweet at me and said. It didn't have dual analog controls in the era, in an era where shooters demanded. He said console shooters, but mm-hmm. shooters in general demanded it, and he said it made it unplayable for him. So that's interesting. Like we're talking about that, and, and I there, I, there I were a lot of people, obviously, but I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Like, it, it was the same thing with Resident Evil Four, by the way. Like people yep. expected a certain like gameplay mechanic. Strafing the game is, is brilliant, mm-hmm. and if you if you. I get that you know, certain things are not for certain people, but... Hey, maybe he could play it on Wii U now. Or, sorry, yeah, or Wii, yeah. Because yeah. it feels great on, but, the, on this. Yeah, I, I know but what you're getting at. The experience at. was still brilliant. I mean, to, yeah, uh, to say I expected it to be a shooter and to feel like that, it wasn't about that. You needed to enjoy it for what it See, was. See, I don't think the, the game mechanics never really called, at least in my mind, for... I, I didn't really miss having dual stick control for the shooter. Because, like, you don't really need that. There are some... When you're fighting the space pirates and stuff like that, maybe an, a little bit, but... An hour the into the game. Solved it. They no. balanced it really well. You, don't yeah. Need, you yeah, lock, that's, you lock, lock, yeah, lock. Yeah, you just lock. I, I didn't really have an issue. I think it's the same with Resident Evil, right? Like, once you start playing, you get you why it is what it is. It, like, yeah. Resident Evil, if you could strafe, you could, and shoot. you could finish that game really quickly. You would never be scared because you always knew where the zombies were, right? And you like, could run. Yeah. That was the beauty of, like, for example, Resident Evil mm-hmm. 4. You had to stop and shoot, which people hated, right? especially mm-hmm. PC people. So I'm just, mm-hmm. it's similar to this. I love that. I'm still awesome. getting used to running and gunning in Resident like, Evil games. Stop to try this to seems shoot. wrong. Tangleweed. There's I other things you. wrong with contemporary Resident Evil games. That's true. That is true. It's stupid to get bogged down in controls with this because it's like... It is. That's kind of what I was saying. Well, I think much like Ocarina of Time, like this was just such a very interesting and different approach to controls and back then it was just like what are they doing yep. but then when you play it and you really get into it it's like it oh okay sense. i understand yeah. and, and, like again just to finish my commentary on gameplay of metroid right like, if you play this game you're sort of just going down hallways when you really just break it down but you're opening up these new areas and in each area there, there's a little something to look at and it's a puzzle and it's not as simple as there's a crack in the wall and you uh, oh i need to get bombs and come back that happens yes but there's like color-coded things oh, yeah. then you see for example like 
this, like the, the magnetic morph ball, for example, when that was uncovered, it was pretty amazing because you saw these tracks. You're like, well, it's clear for my morph ball, but how the heck am I yeah. going to get up there? And then you realize when you get this yeah. magnetic you can ball, stick you're to like, the wall, man. oh my God, there's all these places I can go to and these areas I can get to. Yeah. And that's, that's you, what makes the game exciting. When you think about what it did, it's so impressive. It's like when Zelda went from 2D to 3D and not without great enough time. This was the exact same thing for Metroid fans. Just suddenly that whole world was in 3D and yeah. it was completely different, but it still felt so Metroid. So so can we, can we check out the map screen real quick? as I, I always like talking about the map screen because it's probably my favorite map the of all time. Map. It's, it's complex and it's and it's hard to get used to, but Once it, you do, it works beautiful. so well. <laughs> there you there go. it is. Yeah. It is super confusing. Yeah. If, if you, you can yeah. pivot it in a bunch of directions, spin it all around. As you unlock stuff, it. I love this too because yeah. this is the, the honeycomb map is like from Metroid uh, mm -hmm. Super Metroid. Yeah. You're seeing one of the you're seeing one of the little differences in the later versions in the upper right corner. That compass when we first played the game was not present. That was added for the Japanese and the mm -hmm. European versions, and it's been kept. So look, I want to show you. See it by the S there. There's two little boxes like up at the top. The there's ones. two little uh, yeah, yeah the blue boxes. Those, like. Those are those are really late game doors, mm -hmm. and you can see them, and it'll yeah. just drive you crazy because it's like they're be blue doors. You can open like the them. Very end. Yeah, you just can't get up there. It's, yeah. it's really funny, and like, and that's how you discover. I mean, this game's about ex exploration, and part of exploration is not just looking around. It's by like studying that map and yeah, zooming in right. close and rotating it, and you'll see like a little divot off the side of a room, yeah. and it's like, oh. There's yeah. something behind these plants, and you can just roll you into have to it. Oh, it's all so great! Around, because you'll see just this tiny little room that mm -hmm. you missed. And right now, this all is another feature: scanning yeah. all the lore. It, you don't. You can scan every enemy and every piece of lore from the very beginning. So you have to get them on the ship too. If you miss them on the ship, yeah. then you're, mm -hmm. you're totally screwed. You but that gives you a rating in the game, and, and it adds to your missile count and what? everything. And this is from older Metroids, but it unlocks a different ending. I think yeah. that one, that's Slightly. actually one of the issues I have or with this game. Uh, there are two. There are two different types of scans, right? They're the pivotal ones that count mm -hmm. towards your score, yeah. and then there's just additional stuff yeah. that yeah. you don't really need. They're darker orange. And because that's I'm nice. so OCD, like it, it did slow down the game to me. And some people called it kind of disparagingly a first-person scanner, right? Yeah. You walk around, <laughs> and it funny, would actually. it would interrupt the flow of the game. And I, when I was playing it, I wished. Um, by the way, this is one of the earliest yes, areas shown in, say, in like, the old screenshot. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, looks but so it interrupted good. the game. I was I was wishing that when you scanned, the voiceover would just tell you what the scan was and let you move around while it was talking, rather than uh, stopping yeah. and making you read. I like how there was like certain enemies that there's like a variation of it. It'll be like an ice wasp instead of just the regular wasp, yeah. you know? And like you just totally miss that until you like realize, oh my gosh, I'm missing like two things I didn't scan and you can never go back yep. or whatever the case. You just got to play the game again. Too bad. So they yeah. reduced the reliance on scanning yeah. in the later games yeah, a little bit. Point out something, right? Turn around. So this is a great example. So you come through here, you're like, that looks like a skateboard half pipe with that. Yeah. And you realize <laughs> oh, later. Yeah. When yeah, you get that morph ball and you get a it. boost, you're like, wait, oh my goodness, I can do this thing. So I think, yeah. again, that... Like, I wouldn't have even... So I awesome. didn't even notice that the first time I played through this game. Yeah. And then I had to think, so, like, where were all the so half cool. pipes? And, and then you do remember and yeah. you try to find them. Yeah, he's showing you. There's a missile up there. And you're like, how can I get that? Yeah. You yeah. don't even know right now. You and, have no idea. But I, you would waste lots of time trying to figure some of those things out before you were able to get them oh, as well. Yeah. And, I mean, that was oh, part yeah. of the fun, too. You were kind of like... Yeah, I think to, to your point, Pear, that's where this game did have some kind of like old school classic, like kind of hardcore elements. Yeah. I mean, the first Metroid this. is hard. I tried this oh, jump yeah. so many times from <laughs> that freaking route. <laughs> yeah. So there, yeah. is, there is some frustration there, but it's... 
It's what good, it, I think it's a good kind of frustration, though. It's like the... It's, it's so rewarding. It's a yeah. good game design frustration where you're like, oh, I wish I could do this. Oh, I can't. Okay, yeah. come back later. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, yeah. like, that's the only way you remember where some of these tough-to-get things are is by trying it and failing so many times that it's just stuck in your head. You come back later and you're like, oh, wait, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, this. I gave this a 9.8. I don't know if we mentioned that. But no, we haven't talked about the review. Oh, I wanted to segue to that right now. It's Sorry. great. No. 9.8. Uh, 9.8. So uh, this is a... And the game came out November 17, 2002, as we mentioned, and uh, that's when our review went up. And we just actually put the review in our new review format. I'll link to that off the same article, or you can search it. It looks fantastic. But uh, Fran gave it a 9.8, which means it was 0.2 short of being uh, the best game ever a made. masterpiece, which at that time, Soul Calibur and Ocarina of Time had gotten those mm-hmm. scores. And you could take those point two and then add it to your Mario Kart double dash review score, and that would have been an eight point one, and then everybody would have been happy. (laughs) You're always point two behind, friend. So whenever I review something, I should do point two on top. Is what you're saying? Exactly. And everybody would be happy. It's so funny though. Anytime a game gets nine point five or higher, people are always like, "Why didn't you give it a 10? It's like that's a really good score, dude. But it's interesting. You've, You've heard it on the podcast already. Like, there's people out there that like this game just didn't do it for me. It's not. Yeah. Well, one, it's not for everybody, but there's also, there are little flaws. Pear mentioned, like, all that scanning, like, you kind of have to do something. It's a little slow. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it does bog the game down. Now, you realize you don't have to waste that much time with it, but it's not designed perfectly, right? And that's sort of what kept it so, perfect. I hate the penis laser eyeballs, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm curious. Terrible. Yeah, I hate them, too. I, I'm like curious. Pear. Like, I see eggs. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, Pear and Craig, Harris, and uh, Matt Casmussina, and Fran, you were also working on Nintendo stuff. Yeah. Um, why did you, why did you get chosen for the review, or why did you choose to do, do the review? Ooh. Dude, his car had the Samus uh, license plate. I, sh- I, I <laughs> guess I can tell this story. Yeah. So, now so it can be told. <laughs> so, um, what was happening was we were waiting on a review copy, um, and Nintendo had actually sent out the final game to some people. Um, we found out someone who had that, and we arranged <laughs> to be able to play it. Uh, and so we basically, it was a really weird... Wild West kind of reporting back then that today we would never do that. We would never find a review copy of a game, play it, and review it. But we were trying to get Nintendo to say, hey, okay, let us come play it. We, we know we're ready to review it, etc. They wouldn't let us do it. Long story short, went to play it, you know, played it for nonstop um, for like 15 hours or whatever it turned out to be, maybe 20. Uh, <laughs> it's quite a, a sesh. Because back then, too, like we wanted to be absolutely the first thing. So I went and played it, um, and Matt was out of town in L.A., actually. He wanted to review it desperately. Obviously. Oh, no. He was editor-in-chief. And so that's how me being a huge Metroid fan, like Destiny, uh, <laughs> brought me to it. And, uh, you know, I played it a ton and put the review up, you know, actually without Nintendo's permission, which you wouldn't do today. Um, but <laughs> well, unless it, it worked out. Unless it's out, right. Unless um, yeah. it's out. Yeah. But, um, and honestly, it that's... It was a really interesting review scenario, actually. Despite Nintendo, we we had a we've always had a great relationship with Retro, right? Oh, so yeah. th- it didn't hurt that, which is good. You know, and it's, it's it. when you put up a nine point eight score review and you're praising, you know, I call it a ma- a must have masterpiece and a show horse and all these things. Oh, it's going to worry too much. It, yeah, I, I think that obviously they they're control, you know, freaks, and they were super angry about that. But they <laughs> had to be like, oh. And great. I think that I mean I think the they were wrong. Positive. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. they were one hundred percent wrong. I think that they botched marketing of Metroid Prime yeah. in the worst possible way. They could have earlier on shown people a glimpse at what was good and they were oh. just not good enough. They, they, they had pictures screen. leaked out through Nintendo Power yeah. that looked terrible. They, and they like, never oh. really yeah. advertised Metroid correctly. It's like when uh, Metroid Prime 3 came out and they just didn't advertise it at all after yeah. it came out. They, no one even knows. They no were so knew. protective. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we pretty much only saw 
like the opening, and I don't even know if we yeah. saw anything else. Did you have like, previews? Well, and, and there were screenshots. There were screenshots of some of these levels. So just screenshots, no other hands-on after E3. Not really. Like, I don't think so. I mean, we unofficially maybe can't confirm that, but but. We kept on telling them, hey, guys, can we take screenshots video. because your screenshots are horrible yeah. and you really need to show this game in video form and they just wouldn't do it. Yeah, that was it. So I mean, we did see demos in NOA, et cetera, but they wouldn't give us the video to show the audience. So th so speaking of, uh, you know, this kind of low-impact launch, um, I mean, and people knew about it. Nintendo knew, fans knew about it. There, was, there weren't many GameCubes out there at the time and or GameCube games. But uh, it actually ended up selling 1.49 million copies, which is really good for GameCube. But in the grand scheme of things, like that doesn't sound like much now. But it was a lot at the time, and it, and, oh, yeah. and 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 it, you know, it was super. It was a complete success. But here's something interesting. Um, it came out the same week or same month as Grand Theft Auto by City, and it sold. It 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 was second best that month, basically. Yeah. Which November November 2002. Yeah, and global sales, I mean, it, it was just under 3 million global, yeah. I think, lifetime sales. It tanked in Japan horribly, you know, where um, people did not play first-person games at all, like not even, not even RPGs, you know, they yeah. just were never that successful over there. And... You know, it just they kind of let it go. So I think it sold like a hundred thousand units or something in Japan. Yeah, Not I always even. heard that. It's the same with like Halo and stuff at the time, right? They just like didn't, they just didn't work over there. And people yeah. started saying like, oh, shooters won't work in Japan, but now they're taking off. There, so. there were very few American-made games that that worked over there as well. I think uh, Crash Bandicoot was one of the few ones, and Tomb Raider did. All oh, we're right, sorry, but, like, Japan. Yeah, and that that was European-made. So yeah, so. Yeah, this part's... I remember on. this yeah, part yeah, being yeah, annoying. Yeah. Keep locking on, by the way. yeah, you have to lock Put on. Lock so that's where shoot. the Wii is spoiling lock you. Shoot, with the, uh, you, you have to go. scan the nest or the thing there, yeah. too, or else you don't yeah, get the like scan. Yeah, boss fights and puzzles. So mm -hmm. um, I wanted to mention that this actually launched uh, alongside another Metroid game. It launched alongside Fusion. Fusion, yeah. They both came out at the same time. Which is a really great way of doing it, I think. Yeah, and so Fusion was a 2D GBA game. It's also 10 years old now. Um, how happen. crazy is that to get two Metroid? No Metroid, this huge drought of Metroid, and it's like here's two Metroid games for you, well, and that's how they do and it. they connect. They There's roll. a special connection if you had the GBA cable, which <laughs> nine of you did. I did it. <laughs> I had it. Too. If you did this, you could unlock the first Metroid and play it on your GBA on your for GameCube. one thing. On your GameCube, right? Uh, and maybe and on your GameCube. I mean, oh, I know God. you could play it on your no, GBA. On your GameCube, and you could save it to a memory card on GameCube. Uh, I remember, okay, so like, exactly which was, yeah. you couldn't do with the original NES game, right? And then you could also play as the Fusion Suit in Metroid Prime, uh, which yes. looked pretty cool. It did. It was like this purple, yellow, weird blue. suit where mm -hmm. you could see like the kind of her, her suit under it. Oh yeah, it's very removed. This was Nintendo's first foray into dual screen gaming. Mm -hmm. Remember, the DS did not exist well, at the, the time. There was the Game and Watch. So there was all this talk about connecting the GBA and the GameCube together. Some, you know, early. <laughs> things came out of that like it's the basically the Wii U game, but it never it never took off because it was just you well, had so, to have all these devices well so this cables. year they did it with uh, several games they did it with Animal Crossing which is great there's a little island you could go out to yeah. and like farm coconuts yeah, yeah. Um, Wind Waker, and then, the Tingle Tuner. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Tingle yeah. Tuner and Wing Waker. And then, like, the, there's two others. There's uh, the Pac-Man versus, which is, of course, the yeah. infamous yeah. E3. <laughs> Fun game, though. You need to lock, shoot on those guys. And then what was the final? Oh, yeah, uh, Four Swords also had a required oh, yeah, your yeah, GBA you collection. Yeah, You had to have connection. so much to be able to actually play that game with your friends. Mm -hmm. So uh, did you guys ever get the 100% ending? Uh, yes. I definitely did. Yeah. I, I did. did it Took me what? I, I tried to do it. I went back the second time and there was like one scan. Oh, oh yeah. Totally Probably do it the, the one trilogy. that jumps out of the lava lake or something there like that. There was actually yeah. a very specific one that I forget, I forget now. There was there was, was like really a handful that everybody to had miss. to know about. It was or you missed it. Actually, there was one very easy to miss in the beginning. 
Yeah, um, there's, there's panels. There's space pirate panels in the mm-hmm. beginning that you have to scan. You have to be really thinking about it from the mm-hmm. start. Yeah, but I think there's three. Actually, isn't there three endings? There's regular, there's like sort of a medium level, and then there's 100%. Getting the missiles. I love these little upgrade yeah. cutscenes, too. The music, <laughs> the celebratory yeah. stuff. I mean, this is, again, classic like Zelda's type stuff. It makes you, you feel like you did chest. something, you know? Yeah, and then the music. big screen. Uh, fanfare, yeah. Like proper fanfare. So cool. <laughs> Do a little fanfare. <laughs> Vol- so volume. Nintendo's edition always been good at that, like Paro's. I love it's that. Nice to say. Yeah, I mean, you I think do sound right at those no, they, oh, yeah. they the, and a lot of developers talk, like talked about this years later. Is Nintendo knew how to reward players. It was, and some games mess it up, right? Donkey Kong sixty four messed it up. So many collectibles that nothing mattered. Yeah. I stopped and these playing games, that game. I just yeah. got so annoyed. In these games, whenever you picked something up, you felt like a superstar, right? You're like, oh my god, I've got the super <laughs> something particle accelerator. Uh, again, yeah. that's what all this was about. You finally get like an upgrade. You're like, oh, sweet. And then hopefully mm. you can use it to unlock something. Did we bring any parts of the save that we can skip ahead or no? No. no yeah. So we, we do have to wrap this up shortly because we've been talking for about an hour. But do you guys have any people that you need to read off from your phones, or, or are we good with that? It's a crooked. little bit of it. Uh, I love the crooked level. It's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. No other game did this at the time, by the way. Having a crooked game world like that—that that was hard to do. Yeah. It's funny. Slanted. You wouldn't think, but it is. It's yeah. a lot harder. I like how lenient they are with uh, your your kind of your feet. And like you can kind of walk off an edge and not just fall all the time, like yeah, over the yeah. edges for all the platforms. But it still it really feels smart. natural once you get used to it, and like, like once yeah. you get that double jump, oh man, it was you're so set. Smooth. Like that's why I wanted to jump to Finjohn to drift the snow. You start doing Actually, these, that's the fun, that's the funny thing you mentioned. That is that like when I asked oh. for for sort of memories of the game, that is the one location oh, that everybody brings up. Really? So cool. That's some, that's my favorite music in the game. So cool. My favorite music is the loading screen. Just the. I think it's when you're selecting your save file or something yeah. like that. A little like you hear all little squeaky bugs and it's stuff like that. It's so good. It's yeah, the little whistle in the background. That, yeah, that yeah, that's yeah. the one. With like yeah. Oh, there they are again. But uh, I, we we talked a little bit about the version differences earlier. You know, they like subtle differences depending on what version of Metroid Prime you have, and it's not necessarily just the Japanese, European, and American version. There are different American versions as well. If you bought the launch version, there are subtle differences. There's, like, there's that doorway really, up there. Some of the audio deep. cues are yeah. different. Uh, you know, the North American release until until now, the the Wii version never got some of the additional voiceovers that the yeah. you hear your that suit saying deal. stuff like "door unlocked, radiation detected." That was added for your the, missile the doors Japanese to the right there. You gotta go back. Because it came there later. Yeah. yeah. And the they localizations were later. team had time to add those. Things. And what's funny, the original Metroid Prime US release loads faster. And that's because um, there was there were some crash bugs in the original version uh, that got fixed yeah. with the later versions, but that meant slower load times. Mm-hmm. The the Samus model at the end of the it's game is, is really good in this. Like, yeah. it's a cool picture of her face. And then they kind of changed it to the cartoony model. And I remember there was kind of a little bit of a controversy around that. Yeah. She looks very realistic in the end of this. And then they kind yeah. of always pictured her in the Zero suit as big boobs and Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of obnoxious. But it's, it's still always fun to get a glimpse of Samus. But it's really cool because you can go up to something and shoot it really close, you can see your eyes in the reflection yeah. of the... Yeah, the reckon, I think she looks room, badass in uh, Smash Bros. in yeah. a Zero Suit. Yeah, have we done that? We should do that. Uh, you go up really close to the wall and you charge and just let it release like and flash you in your face. Your just yeah. right... No, but just hold charge, the power charge. charge. Does he have it he yet? Have oh, it. He doesn't have it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you cool can see your face reflected. Um, by the way, it's amazing how much Halo 4 now kind of looks like art and style-wise oh. like this. Halo yeah, Prime the 4, orange Forerunner. And so, one, so shout that, out to know. two people there: Jason Bear, who's the senior mission designer at 343. Uh, he was the senior designer at Retro Studios, and Kyman Pearson, who's the lead designer at 343, and he was the senior designer at Retro Studios on all the Metroid Prime games. So these guys, 
and, and oh, by the way, we had a panel yesterday at IGN for announcing our Game of the Year stuff. And um, David Ellis is there from Halo. He brought up Metroid several times. Yeah. Like talking yeah. about how Halo 4 is influenced by Metroid. So whenever you think like, oh man, I want another Prime, like check out Halo 4, guys. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's a and, different and it's, game. It's more it's of a, a different linear. Game. Yeah. Atmospherically and with some of the design but choices, you escape, you know, the beginning of mm-hmm. the ship, you're mm-hmm. platforming right away. And there's there's some lava areas yeah. and there's yeah. some jungle areas and uh, that's what that's so what smart. this team can do. And there's still people at Retro that are great and yeah. talented and that's what they're going to be able to do with HD. So hopefully yeah. they'll get a new uh, Metroid to do. E3 next year, right? That's my prediction. I think yeah, I think so. I, am, I mean, the one thing we don't know is that I, I, I have faith that Retro has some really strong <coughs> designers. When these guys made this GameCube game, there was nobody that was this good. No. You know, there was Factor 5 was really good with some audio stuff no, and, and really good with, like, shadows and, and models. But these guys had it all. Yeah. And I'm I'm hoping there's enough talent left that they can do a kick-ass Wii U version that's that looks beautiful, really pushes the system the way yeah. this pushed the game. Yeah, there are yeah. photos actually of the cars that were out front of Retro Studios, Lamborghinis, etc. <laughs> and that was part of the problem. They paid so much for these amazing designers up front. It created some problems. They scaled back from that. But the point is, these guys, you had to pay them like a ton to get mm-hmm. them. And, and I don't know if for that. I don't you know see if. It. I don't know if all the great guys were the guys with the Lamborghinis because there was the sordid history before that at Retro where yeah, you know, yeah, Mr. Spangenberg and the rest of the crew. Very, yes. um, expensive people, but uh-huh. it's for a reason. These guys could go anywhere they wanted. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh, Typical yeah. Super Steam Metroid up. does that too, right? You walk in, you're like, no, no, you shouldn't be in here. But it lets you. It doesn't just say, sorry, Fire this door table. is locked until you do something. I, and I used to just push it as far yeah. as I could. Oh, well, me too. <laughs> really like fun. you try to get through. And, and sometimes you were able to pick up a missile like a upgrade. Yeah, exactly. or, yeah. All right, so I'm going to wrap this up, and uh, I honestly, I could play Metroid Prime all day, but we have a holiday party to get to, and uh, we have a lot more to get done before that. So uh, we'd like to hear your memories of Metroid Prime. We'd be happy to answer your questions, so hit us up on at nvc at IGN.com. And uh, thanks for checking out Nintendo Video Chat. If you caught this on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe to IGN, as we do one of these every week, and we'll be back next week. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye.